MSW Media. Thanks so much to Future Hindsight for supporting Daily Beans. Future Hindsight is an award-winning podcast that takes big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into action items for you and me. Join host Mila Atmos every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts or on futurehindsight.com. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Today, John Eastman reveals in a court filing which email was subject to the crime fraud exception. Lynn Wood loses his appeal to block the Georgia Bar Association's mental health probe. Videotapes reveal the GOP's plans to subvert elections. The Texas school police chief is ignoring state investigators' questions about the Uvalde shooting. And a judge rejects Sarah Palin's nonsense again. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hi, Dana. I, I I hear you're not getting better. I yeah. I, I appreciate. Like. Yeah, I'm 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 here though, and I my voice just sounds a little funny. But other than that, um, we don't need we don't need to focus on that because the show must go on. <sighs> How many times have you and I gone oh up on my stage? God. Sick as hell. Bronchitis, the flu. <laughs> There's something happens and performers that are listening will know this. And it could happen to other uh, industries, I'm not sure. But when the adrenaline takes over, you're fine. And then the moment you step off stage, you will crash yep. bad. But yeah, this is in comparison to those, I'm, I'm okay. But I just um, would like to get better. So it might be another visit to the doctor tomorrow. All right. Well, we're all sending you Still negative. the healing Still vibes. Negative. All yep. sending, well, that's good that you're negative for COVID. So there's yeah. at least that. Today, we're going to be talking with Adam Klasfeld from Law and Crime about the Linwood Georgia Bar Association's mental health probe and how a judge has decided that that can go forward. Actually, they didn't even decide that that can go forward. They decided that they don't have any say in that because it's a state thing. So I'm going to talk to him a little bit later in the show. And then, of course, we have the good news. If you have any good news you want to send in, you can do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And again, I just want to take a minute to thank our patrons. You seriously help make this show possible. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you get the ad-free feed for this show, the MSW Book Club and Muller She Wrote. It's three bucks a month. Uh, it's awesome. If you want to sponsor somebody, you can do that on our website too. And that's dailybeanspod.com. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we really appreciate that. All right. With that, we have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. We're going to kick this off with uh, this fascinating story. We can now say with quite a bit of certainty that the Eastman email that Judge Carter classified as qualifying for the crime fraud exception to attorney client privilege is one that Eastman forwarded to Rudy Giuliani that included a memo penned by Ron Burgundy's left testicle, Kenneth Cheesebro. <laughs> Because I imagine that's what he would name his left testicle. How do we know it was this email? Because Eastman told us in his latest court filing in the case, considering over 600 more documents the committee is trying to get. On page nine of his ridiculous and sanctionable filing submitted to the court Tuesday night, Eastman's attorney said the following. The single document that this court ordered to be produced under the crime fraud exception belies the select committee's claim that Eastman was engaged in a conspiracy to prevent the certification of President Biden's electoral victory. The email says 
quote, the needed scrutiny would be worthwhile, even if it couldn't ultimately prevent the election of Biden and Harris, because he knew it was bullshit, right? So now we know what email he's talking about. And now we know what email is the one that's under the crime fraud exception for attorney-client privilege. And that comes from an email shared by the 1-6 committee just days before in a court filing cited to show the underlying crime. It's a December 13th, 2020 email from a little-known attorney who's been advising Donald Trump's legal team, Kenneth Cheesebro. He sent it to Rudy Giuliani, sketching out a plan for then-Vice President Pence to halt the certification of Biden's victory on January 6th. He dubbed it the President of the Senate strategy. President of the Senate? is Chuck Grassley. That's going to come in handy in a second. No, he's pro tempore, right? President of of the Senate pro tempore. Uh, U.S. District Court Judge David Carter described the memo in his March ruling as perhaps, quote, the first time members of President Trump's team transformed a legal interpretation of the Electoral Count Act into a day-by-day plan of action. Carter wrote in his opinion that this memo likely furthered the crimes of obstruction of an official proceeding and conspiracy to defraud the United States. So Cheesebro is kind of fucked here, too, right? Carter ordered it released to the select committee under the crime fraud exception to attorney-client privilege. The plan offered by Cheesebro depended on the existence of competing slates of presidential electors in a handful of states where Biden won the popular vote. In fact, just a day after Cheesebro sent his memo to Rudy, pro-Trump activists gathered in several state capitals and signed documents falsely claiming to be the true presidential electors from their states. Then Cheesebro's strategy required Pence to, quote, firmly take the position that he and he alone is charged with the constitutional responsibility not just to open the votes, but to count them, including making judgments about what to do if there were conflicting votes, conflicting sets of electors. Cheesebro suggested that members of the Senate hold hearings in the days before the January 6th session. In particular, he wanted Lindsey Graham, chair of the Judiciary Committee at the time, to focus on Pence's power to count electoral votes. A Graham spokesman emphasized that he held no hearings on the subject at the time. His office has declined to say whether any of Trump's lawyers approached him about the plan. Cheesebro suggested that Pence should immediately recuse from running the electoral vote count, citing a conflict of interest and hand the gavel to Senator Chuck Grassley or another senior Republican senator. Then that senator would lead the count, but refuse to accept any electors in the states that Trump was contesting. Instead, the senator would contend that if those states wanted to be counted, they had to rerun their elections, engage in more litigation, or have their legislatures appoint new electors. And post-January 6th, Cheesebro essentially suggests to let the chips fall where they may. The Supreme Court might step in and overrule the Trump gambit or sidestep it by declaring it non-justiciable. But he said even trying and failing would be a worthy attempt and could resolve in unpredictable ways, uh, such as the selection of Pence as president. Hmm. It's very interesting that Cheesebro's plan included Chuck Grassley, who said on January 5th that he'd be presiding over the Senate that day as they didn't expect Pence to be there. Huh. He quickly walked that back. The trafficking by Trump allies in these theories prove that they plan to repeatedly violate the Electoral Count Act to impose their fringe interpretation of the law and keep Trump in power. That's what House Counsel Doug Letter wrote in last week's filing. Cheesebro was also behind the arguments for Trump's allies to send competing slates of electors to Congress, creating the very controversy those allies said was a necessary step for Pence to assert control. We have to have these competing slates of electors so that Pence can say, oh, there's competing slates of electors. I got to step down. 
It's absolutely bananas. The Department of Justice, as you know, is now deep into a criminal investigation of the fraudulent slates of electors. Awesome. AG, thank you. Now, a local police chief in Uvalde, Texas, hasn't responded for a follow-up interview in a state investigation into the law enforcement response to the elementary school massacre that we know left 19 children and two teachers dead. And that's from an official on Tuesday. Now, Peter Arredondo, the police chief of Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District, participated in an initial interview that has not yet answered questions for follow-ups made two days ago. And that's from a spokesman for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Now, DPS spokesman Travis Considine said that Uvalde and Uvalde CISD departments have been cooperating with investigators, but added that Arredondo has not responded to requests for additional interviews. Hmm. Now, Arredondo, and it might be Arredondo, and I apologize, that truly is just me not necessarily knowing how to pronounce it correctly, is said to be the incident commander who incorrectly believed the gunman to be barricaded suspect and ordered officers to remain outside during the shooting. Now, after more than an hour, federal agents disobeying the chief's orders entered the school and fatally shot the gunman. Now, on Tuesday, Arredondo was sworn in as a newly elected member of the Uvalde City Council. Mayor Don McLaughlin said that in a statement. Now, officials canceled a ceremony for the event, quote, out of respect for the families who buried their children today and who are planning to bury their children in the next few days. That was from McLaughlin. When Shimon Prokopez cornered Arredondo and asked him why he hasn't been answering investigators' questions, Arredondo bravely ran away, AG, just turned around and left the interview. Didn't just, he's I don't know. He's Officer Adondo. He's yep. Adondo. He bravely ran away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, we also learned last night that cops were lying, lying, when they said the teacher had propped open a door. And that's how the gunman got into the adjoining classrooms, which is fucking infuriating that they threw a teacher under the bus Ugh. at all. So pissed. Yeah, that's the part that puts me over. They have now changed their story and said the teacher did close the door. Now, the Department of Justice is conducting an independent review of what really happened. There's been a few statements that have put other people in danger. One, that fucking teacher. Mm. They're just putting that out there that a teacher left the door open. There was some other congressperson, I believe it was, that said a trans person was responsible for the shooting. Like I it, saw the, that, the yeah. moment you say something, this mob attacks. And I just want people to be very cautious of what, what they're saying. And these, I mean, for this to be a statement from the police officer and the chief is just absurd. Whoever accused the teacher of leading the door open, I mean, that person should be in some sort of trouble. But I just be really careful. Be really careful about what you're saying about people because it's an, it's instant. It's instant that people will react. What would really piss me off, I mean, not that any of this doesn't already really piss me off, but it, it is if they were trying to blame one of the teachers who got shot. Yeah. With leaving the door open. Yep. Somebody who couldn't defend themselves, stand up for themselves and who was killed. Yeah. You know, like, fuck you. Yep. There's so many things that happen that are sketchy as hell in this story. So I'm glad there's an investigation happening and I hope they get down to the bottom of it. I know it doesn't change anything and I know it doesn't bring children back and those families will never be the same, but at least maybe someone will be held accountable for what was a complete lack of response to this mm. horrifying situation. Yeah. And, and speaking of being held accountable, we just got um, some news in a minute ago that the, the shooter in Buffalo is being charged with uh, domestic terrorism good, uh, and first-degree murder. So that's, that's important. Next up, video recordings of Republican Party operatives meeting with grassroots activists provide an inside look at a multi-pronged strategy to target and potentially overturn votes in Democratic precincts. 
quote, install trained recruits as regular poll workers and put them in direct contact with party attorneys. The plan, as outlined by an RNC staffer in Michigan, includes utilizing rules designed to provide political balance among poll workers to install party trained volunteers prepared to challenge voters at Democratic majority polling places, developing a website to connect those workers to local lawyers and establishing a network of party friendly districts and or party friendly DAs who could intervene to block vote counts at certain precincts. That's what they're doing. They're creating an army of poll workers to stand there in places where mostly Democrats vote and challenge every single vote and then hire and and put in place district attorneys in those areas that will be favorable to the Republicans. Quote, being a poll worker, you just have so many more rights and things you can do to stop something than as a poll challenger. That's Matthew Seafried, the RNC's election integrity director for Michigan. Really sounding like he wants to keep the vote fair there, right? You just have so many things you can do to stop something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, he's this is the RNC's integrity director for Michigan, stressing the importance of obtaining official designations as poll workers in a meeting with GOP activists in Wayne County as opposed to poll challengers. That was last November 6th. It's one of a series of recordings of GOP meetings between the summer of 2021 and May of this year obtained by Politico. Backing up those frontline workers, quote, it's going to be an army, he promised. This is Seafried in an October 5th training session. We're going to have more lawyers than we've ever recruited because let's be honest, that's where it's going to be fought, right? What? That's where what's going to be fought? Your fucking imaginary hasn't even happened yet voting problems? Yep. Seafried also said the RNC will hold quote unquote workshops and equip poll workers with a hotline and a website developed by Zendesk, a software support company used by online retailers. And I guess the one of the things we can count on, though, from the fucking Republican Party is none of their tech is going to work. So it's going to the website's going to crash. Oh, 100 percent. So that's at least the hotline. It won't be manned. At least that's good. That At least there's that. But anyway, this will allow Republicans to live chat with parties on Election Day. In May 2022 training sessions, he said he'd achieved a goal set last winter. More than 5,600 individuals had signed up to be poll workers. And several days ago, he submitted an initial list of more than 850 names to the Detroit clerk. So they're now organizing their poll workers. Democrat Janice Winfrey, who serves as the clerk, would be bound to pick names from the list submitted by the party under a local law intended to ensure bipartisan representation and an unbiased team of precinct workers. Hmm. Separately, Politico obtained Zoom tapings of Tim Griffin, legal counsel to the Amistad Project, a self-described election integrity group that Donald Trump's former lawyer Rudy Giuliani once portrayed as a partner in the Trump campaign's legal efforts to overturn the 2020 election. The Amistad Project named themselves after the Amistad. He's meeting with activists from multiple states discussing plans for identifying friendly DAs who could stage real-time interventions in local election disputes. On the recording, Griffin speaks of building a nationwide network of district attorney allies and how to create a legal trap. Isn't that great? A trap. Quote, remember, guys, we're trying to build out nationwide district attorney network. Your local district attorney, as we always say, is more powerful than your congressman. That's um, politicizing the police. Absolutely. They're the ones that can seat a grand jury. They're the ones that can start an investigation. Issue subpoenas, make sure that records are retained, etc. 
Election watchdog groups and legal experts say many of these recruits are answering the RNC's call because they believe fraud was committed in the 2020 election. So installing them as the supposedly unbiased officials who oversee voting at the precinct level could create chaos in such heavily Democratic precincts. On the tapes, some of the would-be poll workers lamented that fraud was committed in 2020 and the election was corrupt. Installing party loyalists on the board of canvassers, which is responsible for certifying the election, also appears to be part of the GOP strategy. Remember when Trump kept calling the, the board of canvassers yep. in Wisconsin? And they're like, dude, I fucking quit. And the other guy's like, I'm not going to vote for that. <laughs> they want to install their buddies now. Pro-election fraud idiots on these boards of canvassers. This is terrifying. In Wayne County, which includes Detroit, Republicans nominated to their board a man who said he would not have certified the 2020 election. The recordings are among the first windows into what former Trump strategist Steve Bannon, who's been urging listeners to his podcast to take on election leadership positions, he calls it the precinct strategy. There's so much information and so many recordings to listen to. You can get it all at Politico. Just Google the article. It's called It's Going to Be an Army. Tapes reveal GOP plans to contest elections. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. But go check it out. Inform yourselves. It's important. Last story in this segment on Tuesday, the Huffington Post reported that a federal judge has denied a request by who? Former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin to redo her failed lawsuit against who? The New York Times. And this is a quote. The judge who presided over Sarah Palin's libel case against the New York Times denied her request Tuesday for a new trial saying she failed to introduce even a speck, quote, of evidence necessary to prove actual malice by the newspaper. <laughs> can you see that speck from her house? I, oh, you can see it. Yeah, I can see it from my backyard. Oh, uh, hey. Oh, hey. Uh, that might be more Fargo. I don't know why she's from Minnesota. Yeah, we now. just yeah, moved her to North Dakota. <laughs> North Dakota. <laughs> sorry about that, North I can Dakota. see Russia from my house. Ooh, that was a good one. Thank that you. Was good. I can see yeah. Russia from my house. The report went on to say, U.S. maybe my voice is good for something. It's definitely not good for podcasting. Now, U.S. District Judge Jed Rakoff made the assertion in a written decision as he rejected post-trial claims from Palin's lawyers. Another quote, her attorneys had asked the judge to grant a new trial or disqualify himself as biased against her, citing several evidentiary rulings by Rakoff that they said were errors. And this is again from the report went on to say those ranged from how the questioning of the jurors occurred during jury selection to how jurors were instructed when they were asked questions during deliberations. Oh, my God. Biased against her because of the ruling. Right. That's not how this shit works. And it's funny because in a minute I'm going to talk to Adam Klasfeld about the Lynn Wood thing. He also filed to get rid of his judge because he lost his case. So therefore, the judge must be biased against him as well. It's, this is their playbook. Oh, wow. Now, Rakoff rejected all of these claims saying, quote, in actuality, none of these were erroneous, let alone a basis for granting Palin a new trial. So all that's bullshit. Hmm. Palin sued the Times in response to an editorial that alleged her rhetoric was partially responsible for the mass shooting in Tucson, Arizona, that critically injured former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. She claimed that the allegation was injurious to her reputation, like that ever fucking existed, and her political career. Again, very short-lived. A jury rejected her claims in February, with the judge making clear she had failed to meet her burden of proof, and he would have set aside the verdict even if the jury <laughs> had ruled in her favor. The judge was like, even if the jury had come back, I would have not accepted it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say... You're going to lose no matter what the jury yeah. says. Nah. Not a speck. 
Not a speck of evidence that you can see from your house. My goodness. All right. Well, I'm about to talk to Adam Klasfeld here. We're going to take a quick break. But same thing with Lynn Wood when he's he's trying to get the bar associate. He's trying to get a court to intervene in the bar association's investigation into his sanctions. And uh, he, you know, wants to get the judge tossed off the case because the judge was like, no, we're a court. We can't tell the state bar association what to do. Have a nice day. And he's like, you're biased. You need to be removed from the bench and I'm going to appeal. And the appeals court was like, no, that's not how any of this shit works. Go get your to go get your mental health test with the bar association and leave us alone. So I'm going to talk to Adam Klasfeld about that. But we'll be right back after this quick break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. As you know, sleep is the foundation of a healthy life. I know because I used to have insomnia. I struggled with falling asleep. I couldn't stay asleep. I'd wake up sore and groggy. Turns out my problem was I'd been sleeping on a mattress made for someone else. And that's when Helix Sleep solved my problem. Helix has an easy two-minute online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans that will match you to the perfect mattress for the way you sleep. They know people are unique. Everyone's different. So they have mattresses for everybody. They're soft, medium, firm mattresses. They have mattresses that cool you down or help you with spinal alignment. They even have plus-size mattresses for plus-size sleepers. So go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and take that two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to that customized mattress that will give you the best night's sleep of your life. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper. I prefer a medium firm bed, and it has been a lifesaver. I am now able to finally get to sleep and stay asleep and wake up awesome. Your Helix mattress will be shipped right to your door for free. There's a 10-year warranty. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. And you get 100 sleeps to try it out with no risk. Helix even has financing options available, so a perfect night's sleep is never far away. As you know, Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine, And it's been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody loves Helix, and so do I. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Everyone, welcome back. Happy to be joined today by my friend from Law and Crime, also host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klasfeld. Hi, Adam. Hey, Allison. How's it going? It's going well. It's good to see you. It's been it's been a minute. I feel like we haven't talked in in quite uh, quite a while. So I'm happy that you're here with us today. And happy that we're catching up too. And uh, this isn't as bad of news that we you know that we kind of normally cover. This is interesting. I kind of I kind of feel that this is a good news story. It's a good development at least by way of justice. But the headline here that you've written is that pro-Trump lawyer Lynn Wood loses appeal seeking to block Georgia's Bar Association's mental health probe. Can you talk a little bit about, give us some background here. I know I know that you've talked about this on objections on the podcast. So give us a little bit of background and tell us what this ruling means. So in the wake of the 2020 election, just for Listeners who hadn't followed this part about it, Lynn Wood is obviously one of the attorneys that was involved in the so-called Kraken litigation seeking to overturn the 2020 election. Before that, he was a defamation lawyer of some prominence. He represented John Benet Ramsey, the uh, Atlanta accused, man accused of the Atlanta Olympics bombing, and made a name for himself in those cases. But after 2020, he got involved in efforts to overturn the election for Donald Trump in several states. And those ended badly for him. In one of those states, he was 
referred to his state bar, along with his co-counsel by a federal judge sanctioning him at the possible expense of his law license. The, the judge wanted the bar associations to investigate him and his co-counsel for at the pain of possible suspension or disbarment, and that's still in the mix. What this particular development, the story that I wrote and went up on the website today, was essentially about a something that happened adjacent with that, where there was another investigation by the Georgia Bar for his post-2020 election antics, but also sought to investigate his mental health. Now, uh, you had mentioned my podcast investigating one of the episodes of that show. I had listened to certain audio tapes about uh, his relationship with his family and was told by uh, one of the sources that he was essentially... uh, given an ultimatum by family members that basically get mental health treatment. Um, So in one of the recordings that we had obtained and published, uh, we learned that he had said that he felt his family had turned against him and he rejected his children's demand that he gets a mental health examination. Now, he denies that there is any reason to examine his mental health and saw this as evidence of essentially a plot against him because of his politics and because of his efforts to overturn the election for Donald Trump. And so he sued the Georgia State Bar. And what happened today, what today's, what what the recent ruling out of the 11th Circuit was, was essentially his, a rejection of his efforts to stop that probe. A district court judge, uh, Coincidentally enough, one of the same district court judges that rejected his election overturning efforts had basically said that there is no reason for a federal court to intervene in what is essentially a state bar investigation. An appellate panel agreed and a three judge panel of varying political of varying appointed judges ranging from there was a Barack Obama appointee, there was a Donald Trump appointee. Uh, I believe there was even a Jimmy Carter appointee and the three judge panel unanimously agreed there's no grounds for a federal court's intervention in this state bar investigation. This allegation that this was uh, that there was bias uh, was unfounded. He hadn't proven it to the extent to stop this investigation. And they also rejected his parallel effort to disqualify the judge, saying, well, this judge ruled against me on the election, therefore he must be biased. They said that's not how it works. You can't demonstrate bias just because a judge uh, did not agree with your case about the 2020 election. So it was a resounding victory. Judges who were appointed by Trump, Obama, and Carter agreed he didn't have any grounds to stop this investigation. So that sounds like it was more of like a jurisdictional decision than any kind of decision on the merits. It sounds like the court was like, we don't even get involved in that state level stuff. That's the bar association, and we we can't uh, do it. You know, provide any kind of relief anyhow. So you're just sort of barking up the wrong tree. Although I I do think that the uh, 
the paranoia is interesting (laughs) (laughs) and uh, might be something that the uh, Georgia State Bar Association should look into. But did this Georgia State Bar Association uh, mental health probe arise from the Michigan sanction referral or is it a separate sanctions investigation or are they all just sort of enjoined into one? So the thing about bar association investigations, there are they're usually confidential. So how it began uh, is largely a mystery. He claims that it came because of complaints that certain lawyers uh, had uh, leveled against him. And we first learned about this investigation because he posted it on Telegram, the uh, encrypted right-wing social media uh, website, now where he has hundreds of thousands of followers where and where he turned to exclusively after he was kicked off of Twitter. Remember, he was, uh, he was uh, kicked off of Twitter in the wake of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. So how did we learn about this investigation to begin with? Well, he posted it on Telegram. And that was one of the interesting things in this whole saga playing out, because he had claimed that one of the smoking gun pieces of evidence of bias against him from this state bar was that they publicized a confidential investigation. Now, the bar said, no, that that wasn't us. That was you. (laughs) That was you on your Telegram account to hundreds of thousands of your followers. So Hmm. another reason why his request for a federal court's intervention to stop this investigation in its tracks was rejected. Got it. So we don't even know if this is uh, the Bar Association's investigation based on a Michigan referral or if it's some other Bar Association investigation from some other uh, entity who's, who might have submitted a request for an investigation. But I do know that his positions that he posted on Telegram have gotten him in trouble quite a few times, particularly in the wake of some of those Michigan sanctions hearings. So do you know relatively how long bar association investigations take? Because I know that the bar association in Texas has been looking into Sidney Powell since like November. That's that's quite a long time ago. Right. Now, the it's sort of terra incognita here, because as I said, these things are usually confidential. How long do they investigate? You know, it, it makes one think of uh, the old Rumsfeld quote. It's an unknown unknown. <laughs> it's mm. We won't see them operating. So right now, the only disclosure that we have is, ironically enough, through him and his litigation (laughs) and what they're finding, what they're thinking, whether he has complied with their requests or whether he will at some future time comply with their requests is basically there. there's one person until their investigation concludes that can tip us off on that regard. And that's essentially Lynn Wood on his Telegram account. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm not going to join Telegram or anything, but I'm sure you'll keep us surprised <laughs> as to what comes up next. We'll be waiting. We've been waiting for a lot of these uh, sanctions investigations to to be finished. And, and there are many other, there were several lawyers that were referred for sanctions. And we haven't heard a peep about it, which, you know, like you said, we don't even know when they start. And so that way we don't know if they end, when they end, if they do, we don't know for which sanctions it was for. 
particularly in this time when so many people were sanctioned for so or put in for sanctions for so many different things. But I appreciate your time today uh, and we will uh, keep following up on this and everybody check out Law and Crime. And then, of course, the Objections podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Adam Klasfeld, thanks for your time today. Thank you for having me. Everybody stick around. We'll be back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. It's been difficult looking at the increase in climate crisis, hasn't it? But Future Hindsight has your back. Future Hindsight is an award-winning podcast that takes big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into action items for you and me. Join host Mila Atmos every Thursday for in-depth conversations with citizen changemakers about how they're building their civic action toolkits. This midterm year, Future Hindsight will bring you conversations that can truly support your decision-making beyond the horse race. Every episode offers new insight and new information to help you understand the challenges and the options in front of us. You can never be too informed when the stakes are this high. One of the reasons I love this show so much is I finish every episode feeling like I have the best up-to-date information on some of the most important issues of our day. Plus, there's a course of action for things I can do to help face them, right? Simple, actionable items. This week, Mila sits down with climate journalist Amy Westervelt about how everyday people like you can make a difference. It's not that we don't understand the science or that we don't have the technology to solve the crisis. So listen and learn something new and come away feeling empowered to take action. You can find Future Hindsight wherever you listen to podcasts or tune in on futurehindsight.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, or anything you want to send us, photos of your pod pets or your happy place, Halloween pictures, take them all year round, whoopee stories, just go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana, I have a little self-correction before we okay, get give going. Okay, it, give it to me. And I haven't looked at our submissions today, so it might be in there. But if so, then we'll then we'll have a duplicate. Well, let's we'll... just sandwich this for you. AG, you're one of the best co-hosts I've ever had in my podcasting career. However, is there something you said the other day that was incorrect? Yes. I said yesterday that today would be the day that Raffensperger testified before the grand jury in Fulton County DA. It's actually June 2nd, which is tomorrow for us, but today for you. So now, right now, as you're listening to this, is when Raffensperger is testifying before the grand jury. So I was a day off on that. I could blame time travel and just say it was a weird mix up, but I'm going to go ahead and take the hit, take the accountability and say, you know what? My judge doesn't have to recuse. My judge isn't biased. Uh, I, I was wrong. So there we well, go. Well, thank you. Thank you for the correction. And also thank you for your service to this country. You're invaluable and I appreciate you. Would you like to start the good news segment? That was such a nice compliment sandwich. I appreciate it. But it was it. true. Every bit of it. And yes, I know it's a shit sandwich because the compliment is the bread and you name the sandwich by what's in between the bread. But I, I just don't. And the shit sandwich just sounds rude. Anyway. Well, if you have celiac, the bread is the <laughs> shit part. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, or, or you're eating one of those Kentucky Fried Chicken sandwiches that has chicken as the bread. Wow. We jumped the shark, didn't we? What's going on we here? Did. We okay. did. We sure did. <laughs> Let's reel it back in. Let's reel it back in with Jillian, pronouns she and her. I started listening to the show a couple months ago and now follow a number of other pods that I've discovered from this show. One of those being the Mary Trump Show. Woohoo! Mary has been soliciting bumper sticker slogans from her guests. Yes, we started that one. It was me and, and her and Wajaha Ali talking about that. And she wants a bumper sticker slogan to create short, snappy messaging content. 
I came up with one and was thrilled when she read it on her show. My slogan, seeing red, vote blue in 22. I love it. I love it. I absolutely I love it. I love it. So that's very good, Jillian. I'm attaching pics of the two newest additions to my household, Badger and Harlow. We are hoping that uh, they will be just what our street rescue Hermione, possibly Maine Coon mix, needs in her life. Hermie has been uh, has remained skittish despite being with us since four months old. Thank you for what you do. There are many people like myself outside the U.S. that are rooting for democracy and appreciate your efforts to defend America as imperfect as it may be. Look at her. Right in front of the pride flag. Look at that kitty, that pride, pride kitty. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful kitty. Oh, the Maine Coon's beautiful. Yeah. And speaking of, happy pride to everyone. I'll get to the next one. But it it is technically, when you're hearing this, the second day of Pride Month. But happy pride to the entire LGBTQIA plus community. I love you. I see you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's get bigger and louder. and, and, And yeah, and fuck June. Let's do this every day of the year. Okay. Moving on to Andrea, pronouns she and her. Dear ladies of the beans, my husband is the one that submitted the photo pun that appeared on the episode, quote, politics is no substitute for justice. I love that she's writing. I know, I do too. He introduced me to Muller, she wrote. Subsequently, the Daily Beans was my companion during my 45-minute commute to school while I finished my doctorate. It was like having friends along for the ride, as you're all so open about and authentic about your lives and experiences and your pop culture references are just about in my wheelhouse. Your righteous indignation and passion for justice have lit a fire that has kept me from falling into political apathy, or worse, leaving my children to fight the same battles that should have been done over a long time ago. The one bittersweet thing about your show was the Good News theme song, Float On, Mm. was the song I remember most from my years at graduate school in Iowa. That was where I met my husband. I began a PhD, but became overwhelmed with anxiety and depression and mastered out while he went on to earn his PhD. He was a constant support to me then and now, and also a rare jewel of a husband and the best father I can imagine Mm. for our kids. It's a strange coincidence this year, while I was preparing for my thesis defense, I missed a few episodes of The Beans and was surprised when, after my defense, I returned to listen and found that Float On was no longer being used for the good news segment. Almost like life was ensuring me that I no longer have any regrets. Oh, and the answer to the pun. The photo was me and my husband posing with my parents. I am one, quote, doc in the paradox. Oh, got it. The paradox. Uh, 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 nice. Paradox. Nice. Okay. All right. Nice. Attached for Halloween costume taxes, my daughter, a few years ago as a cat. Oh, my God. A cat lady. And yes, her arm is in a cast. Monkey bars are the worst. Much love. Oh, my God, though. This picture is fantastic. So she dressed up as me for Halloween. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Congratulations love, love, on love your it. doctorate, by the way. And yeah, um, in case you missed the episode, we had to take Float On off because we were being removed from YouTube for content violation, um, copyright stuff. So now we've got the new one that I put together. But yeah, good timing, right? Sort of like, hey, new chapter. What a cute baby girl, though. So Look at sweet. This. All right, next up from anonymous pronoun she and her. Hello, ladies. Thanks for your amazing podcast. I'm a dedicated daily listener. I wanted to share the news of Minnequa Brewing Company located in Minnequa, Wisconsin. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. MBC started making progressive beer, hashtag progressive beer, after closing their brew pub because Donald Trump played politics with COVID-19 and Mitch McConnell let restaurants twist in the wind. 
They hung a Biden sign in the reddest part of Wisconsin in defiance of their Republican County Board's threat to fine them. They won the battle and they're now focused on brewing awesome beer for people who care about lifting those up that are less fortunate and making politics in Wisconsin as clean as the lakes and streams up north. They have an amazing message and they're doing great things. Please check out their beer names, podcast and Facebook posts. I love that the brewery has a podcast. My left-leaning daughter picks me up my favorites, Evers Ale and Tammy Shandy, whenever she comes home from Wisconsin. They recently brought their beer all the way to Washington to talk with lawmakers and distribute their beer to locally owned liquor stores that were brave enough to sell it. They're also currently brewing Choice Seltzer for women's rights and helping to fundraise for Personal Pack, which is an important reproductive rights group in Chicago. Cheers for Choice event on June 6th. They are also attempting to sue politicians who were part of the election fraud schemes in Wisconsin. Excellent. So it's Minocqua Brewing Company. That's M-I-N-O-C-Q-U-A. Minocqua Brewing Company. Like you, they're doing whatever it takes to stop the Republican corruption and keep the important topics in front of voters. I believe their hard work deserves a little boost from you and your listeners. Please check them out. Sorry, no whoobies or pet picks, but I do have a pick of a recent Biden beer that I enjoyed. Thanks, Beans Queens. Look at that. That's awesome. I like that glass. It's like one of those insulated coldy glasses. I know. That's fun. All right. This is from Amanda, pronouncing her hello, defenders of justice and bringers, the bring the bringers of good news. Bringers, the binger, the bringers of good news. Thank you for keeping me informed and mostly sane through the pandemic. It's been a tough two years. Amen, Amanda. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to hold out and say this good news, but you all seem like you could use some extra love in your day. Damn right. Yes. And I'll attempt to share it without writing a full novel. After years of talking about, quote, one day adopting a baby, <gasps> we have two biological children already. We decided to take the plunge and start the process, but a little differently than we thought we would. We signed up for to be foster parents. We finished our classes, submitted all the paperwork, got the house all ready, and completed our home studies. Yesterday, I heard that we were approved locally, and now we're just waiting to be approved by the state. And then we can start offering our home to foster children in need. This has been a process, but I'm so glad that we are doing it because the need is great, and I fear it will only increase. I was told during our home study that the local DCS is in need of foster homes that There are children sleeping on the floor in the shelters. It's fucking heartbreaking. Mm. Now, we live in a very red county, and all of our family conservatives, insert Dana gagging here. There you go. (laughs) I've asked us repeatedly, why on earth would we consider fostering? What if you get a kid who steals from you, or is violent, or their parents use drugs? Um, You fucking love them and show them what a safe place is. That's what you do. Amen, Amanda. It's enraging. I'll leave out my Roe v. Wade (laughs) correctional system reform liberal agenda lectures for the sake of time with laughter. (laughs) But the good news is we are only one form being signed away from getting to be a safe haven for a few children. I'm so happy about that. So maybe if you're listening and you've been on the fence about becoming a foster parent, maybe this can be the nudge to look into it more. So I'll leave you with my personal motto for the year. Lead with love. Because fucking hell, we need it. (laughs) I'm not sure the fucking hell part is part of the quote. I think it's just lead with love, but we definitely fucking need it. I've attached to my good news rant novel a picture of this past Halloween. My husband and I let each kid pick their costume first. Then we take turns matching one of them. This year, I made my own hell costume for only double what it would have cost to buy it pre-made. That's hilarious. (laughs) Thank you to the whole MSW team and podcast partners for what you do. 
because it's desperately needed and thoroughly enjoyed. <gasps> and that is a freaking awesome costume. You made that? That's hot. That's hot AF, right? Right. I would wear that to the store. I would just I would just wear that all the time. Oh my that... god, your family's awesome too. I just want to hang out with y'all. <laughs> that beard is amazing. You got the Ghostbusters. I know that is a good beard. Oh my god, this is so good. That hella is fantastic. Oh my god, any child is going to be lucky to be a part of this brood. There's Ugh. so much love there. And I don't know where the state you live in because it wasn't said, but if you live in a very red county, I know that for a fact, I think they said there's over 30,000 children as part of the mm. foster system in Texas. And as Beto said the last time I heard him speak, they do not have enough beds or money for these children. And this writer, Amanda, is correct. They are living and sleeping on the floors. It's a horrifying situation. So if you can want to, fo- I think I would be a foster fail in a heartbeat, which is one of the <laughs> reasons like I haven't and just not conducive to my life at this moment. Um, but yes, if it is conducive to your life, please, mm. please look into it. Incredible. That's so inspiring. Really. It Thank is. you so it's much. Awesome. for that. Thanks. Thanks to everybody for sending your stuff in First, the cat lady costume is killing me. I thank you. I got a couple of Halloween photos today. Hey, you sure Dana. did. Heck yeah. Keep sending in those Halloween pictures and then some cute kitties. Uh, this was just a great, great day. Thank you so much. And congratulations on the new doctor in the Leguminati. We need as many doctors as we can get so we can take over the world, um, uh, you know, so we can give everybody free health care and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. We have, we have like the weirdest villain plots ever, right? Like everyone's like, oh, the Democrats <laughs> are fucking up America. It's like by giving you free education and health care. Yeah. I'll get mm. you my pretty. Mm. Yeah. OK, here we come. Anyway. Um, I'm preaching to the choir, but that's what we do. Hey, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today, Dana? I do not. I'm just wishing you all the best. I'm grateful for all of you, AG. I'm grateful for you. And uh, thanks for, I don't know. That's it. Just gratitude. Find gratitude Mm -hmm. somewhere in your life today. It's not hard if you look around. I love you too, my friend. And uh, everyone right now, healing vibes. Yes, please. Over to Dana. She's going to travel this weekend. I have to get on an airplane with sinuses like this and I'm terrified. Namaste. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Are you ready for some feedback? Um, Thank you so much. Everybody we will be back tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health and vote blue over Q. What is it? Seeing red? Vote blue. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>